You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Heather Long, an economics columnist here at The Post. For many people, the top of mind right now is what's going on in the energy sector. Gas prices at the pump hit a record high in the United States and many other countries in recent days after the United States banned imports of oil and other energy products from Russia and the European Union announced it would scale back its Russian energy imports by at least two-thirds by the end of the year. To help us understand what is going on right now in energy markets and what needs to happen in the coming weeks and months, I am thrilled to be joined by one of the top experts in the world, Dr. Fatih Burrell. He is the executive director of the International Energy Agency. Welcome, Dr. Birol. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I'm sure you get this question and is the number one question on the minds of Washington Post readers. And that is the very simple, how high can energy prices, particularly oil prices, go? Obviously, we saw last week oil hit 130 a barrel. It's come down in the latest numbers I saw about $100 a barrel today. Um, so basically, my question for you, is the worst over? Or does the world really need to be prepared for potentially another big surge in prices in the coming weeks? I think the versus over or not will be depending on A, what will be the next steps of Russia continue with aggression or not, both politically, also in the energy sector, and B, how the rest of the world will respond to Russia. Why Russia's behavior is very important. Russia is not any country when it comes to energy. Russia is today in the top oil exporter of the world and top natural gas exporter of the world. And as such, uh, the aggression of uh, Russia and the decision taken by the international community to uh, ban or reduce the Russian energy imports uh, do have and will have major implications for the energy balances. And I think it will be too optimistic to say that the worst is over where we stand today. That makes sense. Uh, can you walk us through, a lot of people are calling this a crisis. Would you use the word crisis? And what are the steps that countries need to start taking in the short term to try to handle these price surges? I think, in my view, this is the uh, perhaps the first global energy crisis we are facing uh, in the world. Uh, remember, in the 1970s, uh, we had oil price shocks, 73, 74, 79, 80. It was mainly on uh, oil, but today we are seeing the impacts on uh, oil markets, natural gas markets, coal, electricity uh, prices. It is affecting the uh, the entire energy world. And again, looking at the 1970s, the what happened is that those oil price shocks uh, we have experienced had a major impact on the global economy, inflation, and as such uh, was a bad news for uh, the global economy. And But at the same time, uh, when we look at the countries, how they responded to the uh, 1970s with the more innovation in the energy technologies ranging from the uh, nuclear power becoming a part of the global energy scene to pushing the energy efficiency, 
car uh, uh, efficiency, fuel efficiency, they were also a result of the response to that uh, crisis. So I am uh, also hopeful that at the end of this uh, uh, crisis, the first global energy crisis, countries, United States, Europe, Japan, emerging countries will uh, come up with new energy policies, accelerating the clean energy transitions, and as such, it can be a historical turning point and the global energy policy making. Yeah, I want to talk more about that in a minute. But realistically, obviously, we have a short-term energy supply problem. Uh, yeah. When you look across the different options, everyone's been studying these. You know, could the Saudis pump more oil? Could United Arab, Arab Emirates? What about Iran? Could Venezuela come back on with some more barrels? Could the United States produce more? Realistically, who do you think could help fill some of this gap in the short term? So we can basically in the short term, especially between now and the driving season, uh, when the oil demand goes up, we have a few months, uh, we have a few options in front of us. Uh, number one, uh, the getting more oil uh, to the markets. It can be U.S. Anyways, the U.S. production is increasing, but uh, we may hope to see even stronger increase from Canada, from uh, Brazil, and uh, hopefully from uh, some uh, OPEC countries, uh, from, as you mentioned, Saudi and Emirates uh, being one of them. First uh, portion, production increase from the Western world, uh, uh, but also maybe from the, uh, the, the Gulf producers. This is number one. Number two, the International Energy Agency, our member governments have huge amount of oil stocks under the ground. In fact, uh, only two weeks ago, uh, we brought uh, 63 million barrels uh, to the markets to comfort the markets from those stocks. And this is only 4% of all the stocks uh, we have. It was an initial uh, uh, response. And if there is a need, we can bring more oil from our stocks to the markets to comfort the markets. And number three, and the last one, is to uh, cut the demand of hmm. oil. So we are, uh, we are going to come up uh, this Friday with a 10 action plan, how we can cut oil uh, uh, demand, oil use between now and uh, the end of uh, the uh, driving season so that we can have a better market stability in the market. So these are three options uh, on the market, increasing the production, bringing uh, oil from the stocks of the IEA uh, governments, and the uh, third one is the cutting the uh, demand of uh, oil. Yeah. I know the demand is very important. I was trying myself not to speed as much over the weekend. It's uh, every little bit helps. But um, can I ask you about the second one? Uh, do you think we are at the point where we do need to see countries release more from those strategic petroleum reserves, like we call it in the United States? Obviously, other countries call it something different. You mentioned only 4% of the yes. reserves have yes. been released so far. What are you watching uh for? I think uh, we are, if we see the markets are getting uh, tightened, if the aggression of uh, Russia, the world's uh, top oil exporter continues, I think uh, we uh, may discuss with our governments and if the governments decide, the United States and the other governments, we are more than ready 
to release those stocks to comfort the markets. As I said, we have uh, the 63 million uh, barrels were only 4% of our strategic petroleum uh, reserves. We have more uh, oil to come. The important issue is here. We have to find a way uh, globally to minimize, if not nullify, the Russian oil and natural gas export revenues, but at the same time to have a stable uh, uh, global energy markets. We have to find balances between those uh, two while keeping an eye on our other crisis, which is the uh, climate crisis. Right, right. Uh, another interesting thing I saw you, your agency put out recently was some tips and 10 different ideas to help the European Union as it really tries to reduce its Russian imports. Obviously, it currently relies, as you all spelled out, on, for about 40% of its energy imports coming from Russia. So very hard to dial that down. Um, but I'm wondering as well, another argument I constantly hear is, is there price gouging going on from energy companies right now? You know, people see these really fast jumps up uh, in these prices. And in, in your European Union plan, you all even suggested temporarily raising taxes on electric companies' windfall profits. So can you clarify, do you see some price gouging going on right now in the market? Yeah, our 10-point action, uh, action plan for the European countries, which is uh, very warmly received, uh, uh, by the way, I should say, many governments are putting in action, uh, some of them, such as uh, for some countries, we said, they had a phase out of the nuclear power plants. We said, uh, give a thought to that. Maybe uh, it, it is not the time. Uh, some countries are uh, uh, reviewing that uh, their existing phase out policies. And for some others, we said, Maybe it is time to regulate the thermostat one degree uh, lower uh, to have a lower temperature, but most importantly, to replace as much as possible uh, Russian gas exports with the uh, exports from other countries, from uh, US and uh, others. Coming back to companies, yes, uh, you are right. Some companies are making a substantially high uh, uh, revenues, and it may be a way to look at whether or not uh, those uh, revenues, those incomes of those companies are, uh, 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 can be a means to comfort the consumers who are badly hurt with the very high uh, natural gas prices, electricity prices, and uh, oil prices. We need to support uh, the consumers, and uh, it is, uh, I think, only fair to ask the companies to have some sacrifices here. Mm. That's a powerful point. I suspect it will be picked up a lot around the world. Um, can you just give us a big picture overview from your perspective of the Russian oil and natural gas situation? Are they still exporting? Kind of who's still buying? And uh, you know how much realistically needs to be replaced on the on the global markets? Like, do you, is this just the short term issue where somebody will eventually step up to buy Russian energy? Or are we looking at quite a few months where nobody wants to buy Russian energy? I think this is the key issue. As I said, uh, Russia is uh, the top oil exporter, top natural gas exporter. In terms of oil, 
uh, it is a global market, but uh, I see that the uh, Russian oil uh, is about half of their exports have difficulties to find uh, buyers as a result of sanctions uh, or self-imposed sanctions. Uh, uh, we see that they still find uh, buyers, especially in the uh, developing Asian uh, countries. Uh, in terms of natural gas, Europe continues to buy uh, natural gas uh, from uh, Russia uh, today, so does uh, China, but a big chunk of it goes to European uh, countries. It is very difficult from one day to another to stop those natural gas exports. It is the reason we came with a plan in the next few months how we can drastically decrease those gas imports from Russia, because we shouldn't forget that the every cubic meter of gas we import from uh, Russia goes back as a revenue to Russian government, which in turn may be used uh, to aggress the uh, Ukrainian people. I think we should better have this linkage in our uh, keep in our minds. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and lastly, on the natural gas, uh, here in the United States, there's just been tremendous calls across the political spectrum for the United States to produce more natural gas, particularly liquefied natural gas that could then be shipped potentially to Europe, European Union. Uh, do you see that as a big part of the solution for the European Union, relying more on U.S. liquefied natural gas? In fact, I should tell you that before the Russia started to uh, attack uh, Ukraine, uh, already in October, International Energy Agency uh, warned the entire world. In fact, I uh, made a press conference which I, which, where we said, the, uh, hold on a moment, Russian gas exports to Europe, this is in October, 25% lower than historical averages where the price was very high. They could make handsome revenues, but they decreased their gas exports uh, to Europe. And we thought this might be an early indicator what uh, Russia uh, had in mind. And uh, gas prices went up substantially, and it was the U.S. Uh, liquefied natural gas came to a rescue to uh, Europe, but also Norway, also Azerbaijan, Algeria, but U.S. LNG, liquefied natural gas, was extremely helpful. And more, uh, the more we receive in uh, Europe uh, liquefied natural gas uh, from United States, the less the dependency on uh, Russian gas. In fact, many countries, such as Germany, who did not have a big appetite for U.S. Uh, liquefied natural gas, changed its position from one day to another, building in a rapid way uh, uh, to uh, terminals in order to receive the U.S. and other countries liquefied natural gas. So this is strategically important that the U.S. LNG exports to Europe and other parts of the world increases as soon as possible. Yeah, you've talked about this two or three pronged approach that many countries need to take right now. Obviously, we need some supply increases. But also, as you keep emphasizing, we need to demand less energy. Um, you know, you mentioned things like turning down our thermostats to not heat as much here in the winter and spring months. Realistically, how much of a difference does that make? 
to be honest with you, very much. And this is the this is the issue when we talk about the situation, the the the, the crisis we are in. Uh, we normally think the uh, uh, people in the street or ourselves to to solve the uh, situation, uh, this problem, we need to increase the production. This is true, but at the same time, the other way is to decrease the uh, consumption. And uh, we are very happy to see that many citizens in the social media and elsewhere, they said we are ready. We are ready to uh, have a temperature at home from uh, 22 degrees Celsius to bring it 21 degrees Celsius, especially when they are uh, seeing the Ukrainian people fighting for their freedom in the middle of the winter. So uh, I think we shouldn't underestimate the sentiment uh, of the uh, people in Europe and uh, elsewhere, how they uh, strongly feel to address this uh, issue. And uh, again, together with this, uh, European uh, governments, we have suggested and they have now taking some of them regulatory measures to improve the insulation for uh, the, uh, the, the homes, the, the apartments, the buildings here, because in Europe we use bulk of the uh, natural gas for heating season. Now, thanks God, we are uh, getting out of the heating season now. This month and next one will be uh, easier, but the next winter will come. And uh, between now and next winter, we have to find ways in order to reduce the demand for natural gas and at the same time increase the production from US and elsewhere in order to uh, minimize, if not nullify, the uh, revenues going to uh, Russia. Yeah. And what about the energy use by factories? Obviously, German and other factories are big energy users. Do you think that there will have to be some kind of rolling blackout situations where different factories go idle for a while to try to save energy there? So I should say the situation we are in today, it is an emergency. It is not a business as usual. I wouldn't uh, disclose, I wouldn't uh, exclude that the uh, some uh, factories, uh, uh, some other businesses may uh, have to have uh, a few hours uh, in the next uh, months to come to uh, run empty uh, without uh, having uh, energy to make some sacrifices uh, there. I hope we will not come uh, to that position, but uh, it may well be the case and we have two options there, either uh, not to run in full capacity those uh, factories or finding uh, alternative fuels. It can be uh, anything and in, my, in some cases it may even be a call for a temporary uh, a period in order to uh, run the, uh, continue to run the uh, economy. Yeah. I want to ask you about the short term versus the long term. Obviously, the European Union and the U.S. and many nations around the world want to move to more green energy sources longer term. You know, but people are seeing this crisis right now. It's bringing back memories from the 70s. It's bringing back this desire to see more oil and natural gas uh, drilling to try to help with the crisis right now. What is your message to countries? as they try to balance these short-term energy needs, which would presumably mean more fossil fuels, with how can we keep people focused on a long-term vision? To, you know, how can we still make that seem realistic? So in my view, we have now, uh, we are, there are three crises. One is the 
humanitarian crisis we are seeing every day in uh, televisions, in social media, happening in uh, uh, Ukraine in front of our eyes. The second one is the energy crisis, and the third one is the climate crisis. So, in the to address the energy crisis and to to, uh, to uh, support the Ukrainian people, we have to reduce the Russian oil and gas as much as uh, uh, we can. But uh, while uh, we do so, we may take some temporary measures which can uh, lead to temporary increase in emissions. But if we, the governments around the world, use this uh, uh, situation in a wise manner, as we have done in the 1970s, it can well lead to innovation in many clean energy technologies, and it can help to increase the momentum. It can be electric cars, for example. It can be efficiency. It can be new nuclear uh, technologies. There are already a lot of work going on in those areas, but this can give a momentum and we can get rid of this uh, fossil fuel uh, dependency in the long term. But in the medium term and in the short term, we may need to have uh, gas and oil but we should have a long-term vision that uh, we have to find alternatives uh, to those fossil fuels. Today it is uh, Russia, and tomorrow it may be uh, another uh, country. So uh, it is in our hands, in the hands of the governments, to make use of this uh, 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 situation, used as a turning point to prepare a much cleaner, secure, and affordable energy future. Yeah. And we have done it in the past. That's a great overview. Can I ask, do you, in your opinion, does this current energy crisis we're in, do you think that that speeds up the transition to renewable sources or greener sources, or do you think it delays it and, and slows it down a bit? I've, I've heard arguments from both sides on this. I'm curious your take. I think there may be a temporary short-term uh, pause uh, for the uh, clean energy options, but it is in the minds of everybody now. If we want to uh, address this major price volatility, if we don't want to be slaves of uh, uh, Mr. X or Mrs. Y in that or that country, if we want to have a clean, secure, affordable energy future, we have to be very clear, the governments have to be very clear, and your government is a leader in this uh, respect, uh, to push uh, clean energy options. This ranges from the electric cars to uh, nuclear power, from uh, uh, nuclear power to hydrogen. There are many uh, options there. And when again, looking at the 1970s, when we had the oil price shocks, those shocks not only resulted in high inflation and the uh, uh, recessions, but they also resulted in a big uh, jump in the new energy technologies. We can still do it. And I think the world has learned uh, a lot. Uh, the governments have learned a lot. It is in the interest of their nation security, energy security, and also to address the, uh, the uh, another uh, problem we face, which is the uh, climate change. And lastly, I just want to give you a chance, many of our viewers around the world, but 
the bulk are in the United States. What is your message to United States leaders, to President Biden and to members of Congress? What should they be focused on right now in this energy crisis? Is it telling, urging our domestic suppliers to produce more or to export more to Europe or to conserve more energy? What's, what's your key takeaway for them? If I may, perhaps two suggestions. Uh, one is the uh, continue to uh, push the clean energy options uh, from uh, electric cars uh, to hydrogen, from hydrogen to nuclear power, but at the same time uh, 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 facilitate, continue to facilitate uh, the uh, natural gas, especially LNG uh, exports from uh, United States to rest of the world. This is number one. Number two, maybe as important as that, if not more important, United States, uh, the current administration was extremely successful to build an, a, a major international uh, coalition of the uh, governments around the world. Uh, I uh, work at the IEA, International Energy Agency, many years. I work with many governments. I have rarely seen such a solidarity, uh, such a unity among the countries around the world and to uh, agree what is right, what is wrong, and what is the next step. I thank uh, U.S. administration for their leadership in this as well. Fatih Barol, the executive director of the International Energy Agency with the calls for unity and to lower our thermostats. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.